Welcome back, everyone, to After the Checkers with Kyle Hall. That guy right there is Cody Carlson. He's the number 32 B-Mod, right? Yep. Yep, all the time. Uh, uh, Welcome to After the Checkers, Cody. How the heck are you? Good. How about you? Thanks for having Uh, me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, You've been on the on the requested list for quite a while. There's, there's, um, I've got about five or six guys that are, that are heavily requested. You were definitely one of them. And, uh, I'm whittling away that request list for those that have said, Oh, you got to have this guy or this guy or this girl I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, let's figure out who you are. Like I, like I've seen you race, but I don't, we don't know each other per se, as far as we've never met in person to my knowledge anyways. Um, uh, and so like, I kind of want to get to know you a little bit and, and figure out who you are. So first Cody Carlson, how old are you? Uh, 29 years old. You're 29, man. You look like you're freaking 15. Yeah. <laughs> See, I get a, I get a very weird range every once in a while. I had, had a, a friend of mine, um, right when, I was starting to get to know him was talking about racing stuff from back in like the eighties and nineties. Remember this, you remember that, you remember this. And finally I looked at him and I said, how old do you think I am? And uh, he goes, uh, 38. So this is back when I was like 22 or so. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, a... uh, sometimes a beard can be deceiving and yeah, no, I, you, I get a wide You look like just... you're super young. <laughs> yeah. I get that the other half of the time too. That's all right. Yeah. I keep guessing, I guess. Yeah, I always, yeah. I never remember my age. I always say I was, I'm a 93. We should just go with that. So it changes That's like your you're age. Born, 93? Every year. 93 never changes. That's the year right. I was exactly. born. Exactly. Yeah. No, so you'd be <laughs> 20, 29. Well, have you had your birthday yet? Uh, Yeah, November. Yeah, so you're, so you're 29 then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So perfect. Um, and you, I, I know your dad raced. And so yep. is that is that kind of how you got into it or did you kind of come by it upon yourself? No, it's it's a family thing. My number is actually 32 the third. I got a Roman numeral three in there. Uh, my uncle was the one that started racing Duke Carlson back in 74. Um, he was pit crew for a guy that was just down the street and the guy decided he didn't want to race anymore and put my uncle in the car and bought it from him and that's the story how the number came along because the number 32 came with the car and it's already on the raced. car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He raced for 10 years or so did, uh, uh, street stocks and modifieds. And then, uh, my dad started, they raced together for a couple of years at the same time, different classes. I don't, I don't think they ever raced against each other. If they did, it was only a couple of times. Sure. Um, but you know, back in the day, um, you know, they were they were both real good back in the day. My uncle won a bunch of races, some track championships. Um, he still got panels hanging of future win stickers in the garage. That's pretty cool. Uh, There's times where I think there was a time in Proctor he started up front, took the lead, ended up getting put to the back for something, and then came back through the field and won. Uh, back in stories. the like those yeah, are, those, were, and those stories. Those are the kind of stories that only get better and better the further the longer ago they were. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the only time I hear them is when we're drinking, so I don't right, remember exactly. all the details. Yeah, <laughs> campfire stories. So, are they, um, like you live in Superior, Wisconsin now, right? Yep. Yep. And are is your whole family from there? Like when in '74 were they racing there, or was that somewhere else? And then you moved here. Yeah, it's all been right here, right okay. here in Superior, in the 
the car is kept in the same garage at my grandparents' house. Oh my goodness! So all the years it came out of the same place, same that stable. Is, that is pretty. <laughs> that's neat. And lots so, of fluids spilt on that floor. I bet you. And <laughs> yeah, in all sort like I would think oil and training and maybe a little power steering, lots of beer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lots, lots of tranny fluid too. I'm sure because they all ran power glides and automatic transmissions back then, and yeah, need to have a tanker full of tranny fluid to keep yeah, filling them up. The amount, anything, uh, yeah. yeah, the amount of times they blew them things up and ran to the junkyard and got another one. Got another one. <laughs> There's all those fun stories of, uh, um, like I got. I was never a fan of Dale Earnhardt, you know, when he was alive, but. I think like a lot of people kind of became a fan and a historian and that sort of stuff. And you hear all the time, the stories of even Dale Earnhardt, they would go and, and like jump the fence and like steal stuff from, mm -hmm. the, from the junkyard to get to the racetrack <laughs> the next night kind of thing. So, but, uh, so do you, you had said that you're, you're in the same garage and that sort of stuff, you know, as your, your uncle and your, and your dad, and now you're in there. Is that, do you do a lot of your own work as far as the maintenance and, you know, body work and tires and that sort of stuff? Yeah, we do it all. I mean, uh, my uncle comes and goes as he pleases. Uh, he does a little bit of carb tuning when we need him to, he, uh, works at O'Reilly auto. So he, uh, he's a parts runner. He's your um, parts guy. Keep him after he's done with work. He gets to go back to work a couple more times a night sometimes. And, um, <laughs> my dad takes care of the rest of the drivetrain. Um, I got my pit guy, Cole. He does, uh, tire work, uh, other maintenance stuff. Uh, he's, his day job's a mechanic, so he can do anything. Anytime anything breaks, we can throw him on it. He's at the track all the time. I pretty much take care of the setup and the body work. I like doing tin work. Um, well, until the body's almost done and you just got the couple little pieces that are a pain to make yeah. and uh, keep pounding it out and drilling rivets off all the time. But <laughs> I, I usually enjoy it. And then so uh, do you, do you work... actually build the body then, Cody? Yep. I have a sheet metal break and then okay. uh, I work for Buzz Signs and Graphics in the springtime doing race wraps as well. Uh, so doing the body work and then uh, going to making sure they all look pretty as well too. Whenever, yeah. whenever he needs me down there to put some wraps on and then up north around here i'll go on road trips around wisconsin minnesota and throw some on in people's garages as well yeah yeah so print them at the shop and then bring the graphic to them to to do installs yep yep yeah. and that's that's actually one of the things i really like and i wish we weren't so crammed for time that time of year because everyone gets their wrap pretty much in the same two month span yeah. so when i go on a road trip i'm usually doing three of them at a time so it's hurry up and get it done to get on to the next one. Yeah. But uh, being able to go to uh, other people's shops, get to know them, see it's their shops. Yeah. Yeah. Sit around, have a couple beers afterwards. You know, that's, that's always a good time. Yeah. Tell lies about how fast you are and that like, it, there's, that's the, it's, it's racing. The actual racing on the track is fun, but realistically racing is about the social seeing your buddies at the track or, or like you say, seeing somebody at their shop or their garage or talking to somebody on the phone about racing or like, it's what all of us do. We just talk about racing all the time. <laughs> kind of thing, you know, my wife gets so mad at me if we're, if we're out to eat and somebody, you know, recognize me and like, Hey, aren't you the announcer guy? Or I saw your show about this guy or whatever. And we, I, I can talk for an hour about nothing with a stranger kind of thing, as long mm -hmm. as it's racing. And so, 
it's uh i think i think we're all that way <laughs> yeah it's weird you know i hang out with a non-racing friend or someone that's not as deeply invested into it casual fan or something like that and you go walk through walmart and someone stops you and starts talking and then you walk away from them and they go who who was that i have no, no idea, idea. So you exactly sounded like you're talking too. to them like you know them your whole life you kind of got to yeah <laughs> it might exactly. be a potential that's sponsor 100 me <laughs> especially like i think because a lot of people get to see me and I don't see fans necessarily. I mean, if you're right in front of my announcer's tower, I maybe recognize you or something, but if I'm standing out in front of a couple thousand people, it's not like I see individual faces. You just see a sea of faces. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you get recognized when you're out to dinner and you're like, I have no idea who you are, but you know me pretty well. So, (laughs) um, uh, so that's, that's pretty fun. So in the, like how long have you been doing the body thing? Is that your whole career you build all your stuff? I've been doing my own mainly because uh, we never had a whole lot of money. So anything we could do to make things cheaper, you know, and in my early years, uh, my dad, he, he ended up racing modifieds for the most of, for the majority of his career and then did late model a couple of years and took everything they had in order to put that together. And I was, little too young to be involved with that and um, got started in go-karts right at the end of his late model career before I jumped into B mods but you know we didn't really have a whole lot to put into it we relied on sponsors quite a bit and um, it was whatever we won for whatever our paycheck for 15th place at Superior was had to get cash by noon at the bank the next day in order to make it to Ashland right (laughs) so that's uh, funny anything anything I could do to um, to take the cost yeah. take cost off is what we did and and it's crazy to see what we did back then to what we do now because fortunate enough to have a really good job right now and flexibility to race when i want and yeah. you know, i have all good equipment now and um that's not quite as much of an issue but i still i still got those corners we need to cut i'm not going to pay someone else four grand to put a body on my car when i can do it for the cost of 10 and right yeah all, all sorts of stuff like that a little bit of time yep and if you can, so do you do anyone else's? Like, do you do you do body work for anyone else or just yourself? I've done a couple, but this time of year is hard. My grandparents, they reclaim ownership of their garage in the winter because they don't want to brush snow off the car. Ah. Uh, so I don't really have access to that until right around the Daytona 500 is when we try to bully our way back into getting in the shop and nice. uh, start working on stuff. So um, I have done a couple for other people. They turn out good. Um yeah, but uh, I'd like to like one of my goals this year is to buy a house. Um, main thing, got to have my own house, got to have my own shop, all that stuff. Yeah. So I've been focused on spending money on racing for a long time. Everything's kind of at a point where it's pretty sustainable right now uh, that it can just kind of keep plucking itself along so I can focus what I'm doing on getting some more real life things set right. up. Yeah, and, some outside of racing things. I mean, I just want a crappy little house that's got a good foundation and electrical in it and a nice and big a massive shop. That's shop. all I care about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm even fine with a massive shop. I'll put my camper inside of it. I don't care. I'll live in that. Don't matter right. to me. Yeah. Yeah. The house part is optional. Massive shop. Yeah. Manager. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's all that's all we need. And then we you can always, make money out of there. You always see those ones where it's like here's here's my perfect and then like right here there's like a bedroom and then a bathroom right here and then all of this is shop like you see that every now and then but yeah see that's all i want (laughs) yeah yeah a lot of people would want that but so is there um 
when you you're going through that process building the car and are you looking for innovation type innovation type stuff or are you just kind of get get it hung within the rules yes and no um usually so like my my race season starts in february once race wraps start flying out the door and start putting them on and the amount of time i have to focus on my own car is kind of kind of not the last not a whole lot left there i rely on my dad and cole and my uncle to get stuff done while i'm busy working on everybody else's stuff and uh um i get the tin work done i'm pretty i'm pretty anal on how i want it to look and i kind of have the same template i change a couple things here and there every once in a while but uh um drive a shaw car standard shaw body that's been on these cars for forever forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good though i mean it, it you know what you have then though i mean like that's the thing is if you um not that arrow is a massive thing, but it is a thing. And you can change mm-hmm. how a car handles by putting a body differently on it. You know, bigger sail panels or, you know, mm-hmm. there's the reason you see those ones that are way ditched out, trying to get a little more air onto the, uh, onto the wing or whatever it is. But, um, so what other, what other outside of racing, what other hobbies do you have? Work. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's, that's pretty much hobby it. Every it's, racer has. Yep. It's, it's racing all summer. And then uh, my main job is a manager for a FedEx ground contractor. So just as racing gets done, we're gearing up for the busy shipping season, Christmas season, Thanksgiving through Christmas there, which we just got through. And I'm wearing a hat because I pulled all my hair out because we got a (laughs) multi-day snowstorm the week of Christmas. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been a fun one. So um, we, uh, I don't really do a whole lot. January is pretty calm. Um, And then February we're right back into, uh, racing again so the um i'm I'm thinking like the thought going through my head is like the the installing wraps like i have trouble putting a sticker on that's this big (laughs) without getting wrinkles in it and you guys that do the wraps and do them well like that just it blows my mind kind of thing because i can't the thought of putting on a sticker that's the whole side of a car just gives me massive anxiety because it would just be it would look like I did it textured. Like I'd have to tell people, oh no, all that's on there on purpose. Like that's texture. It's the newest in arrow. You get the air swirling down the side of the car and that's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there, there's a little bit of uh, job security involved in that too. Some, some people you got to read and you got to put it on as fast as you possibly can to try to impress them. So then that way they're like, oh yeah. I can't I do that. Understand. I'll just yeah. pay you to keep doing it. And there's yeah, some yeah. people that are like, well, I could probably do that, but I want to see how it's done first. So you got to make it look a little harder than it is. But no, as, as any fine art type deal, it, it just comes with practice and um, learning how to do it. So it's, it's simple. It's easy for me, not simple and easy for other people. So yeah, include me in that second group <laughs> for sure. So, um, so who, when you're, a spectator let's say cody carlson goes on vacation and and is going to watch a race who is who is your favorite driver well i'm wearing turbo shirt right there tyler herb yeah he's a good one he's uh he's elbows up wheel man right there Um, then obviously buzzy adams you know work with them work for them and uh He's always been an entertaining driver to watch uh, as far as the local stuff is concerned. Um, Then, uh, yeah, I mean, 
USMPS, you know, Buzzy and Rodney Sanders, they're married yep. to a couple of sisters. So uh, become friends with him. So he's always someone that I keep an eye on whenever nice. he's out there running all over the country. So, yeah, so, I mean. Wait. So Rodney Sanders is married. What? So like, say what you just said again. Yeah. Uh, Rodney and Buzzy are married to a couple of sisters. So like they're Megan, brothers-in-law, technically. Yeah, they're brothers-in-law. Well, Megan and Morgan that. McMahon, Tim McMahon from Duluth, the, his two daughters. Uh, one married Buzzy, one married Rodney. So they got uh, yeah, quite the powerhouse going right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> that is. I would say so. Like, I didn't know that at all. Like, that's, yeah. that's good information. Huh. <laughs> How does a guy from Texas find a girl from northern minnesota that's crazy it's uh well his shop is uh in Casson, minnesota so he's up here all all uh summer long racing um his main sponsor is located down there and uh um and morgan she lives in the cities so nice and close right there that makes sense then all right well that that explains that too so yeah okay so we do this thing on the show um where there's um dirt racers have a unique vocabulary right like there's certain mm -hmm. like like you can't say oh she's real loose or she's real tight you can't say that in the real world and get away with it but in at a race yeah, track, everyone everyone <laughs> every, everyone <laughs> knows what that means at a racetrack everyone knows what it means outside of a racetrack too but you just can't say it all <laughs> um and so the so there's certain words that come about in the racetrack world. This you're going to define a racing term for us. And this is a racing term that is an outside of the racing world as well. Um, certain people would know this word, but in the racing world, I need you to define it for inside the racing world. And, and the word is sipe. I need to know what a sipe is. A sipe is a razor blade slice in a tire. Yep. Very good. So is it, is it, um, would you consider a groover? Is that a site? Well, there's two different okay. terms for it for a reason. A groove takes a little bit more, takes a chunk out of the tire. A site yep. just, just literally cuts it. Um, just makes another cutting edge. Yep. Yep. And I mean, even on regular passenger car tires, winter tires, they have sipes in them as well. Too, right. And so that's what I was saying. Kind of mm -hmm. outside of the racing world, there's sipes as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Just in a regular, you know, you can take your tires to discount tire or whatever, and they'll they'll sipe your tires for you. Um, uh, or you can do it on the racetrack. Now, on a racetrack, you're going to do it a lot more aggressively than what they're going to do on your passenger car. Um, and so what is the purpose for it? Like, what is, why? It, so I have two questions. What is the purpose of siping your tires? That's question number one. Question number two is why would someone groove a tire versus sipe a tire? Well, those are speed secrets we're giving away here. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not um, speed secrets. They're, there's everybody knows what this is. Yeah. Um, a sipe uh, kind of helps with the cooling and heating of a tire. Um, also, as the tire sliding across a track, gives it an edge to bite on. Um, a groove is basically when the tires rolling through an uneven track surface the sipes allow the rubber to expand and then the grooves allow the tire the rubber to contract so it just allows it a little right. bit more flexibility in order to adhere to the track surface a little better like nascar 
asphalt tires there on flat surface so they don't need to have the grooves in them in order to adhere to that so whereas dirt tracks we do it's a little rougher and so you need a little more flexibility in the in the face of the tire yeah yeah and some yeah. people even use that fancy chemical stuff to make that happen <laughs> now we're talking speed secrets uh, there you go <laughs> i expect my tires to be tested next time i race yeah exactly yeah that'll be that'll be april 1st or whatever whenever the first race is you'll be like 32 um yeah so you i think you perfectly defined what a what a sipe is there is that it, it's a some sort of cut in a in a tire like in, in most generally it's a razor blade um i know a lot most everybody has the heated ones where you're cutting you know five or eight or 12 12 cuts at a time across the tire kind of thing are you do you go do you go across the tire or around the tire or both yeah there's there's a lot of different things that go into that the track surface the how coarse the dirt is um sure. If you think the track's going to be eating tires at night, um, all sorts of different things that go with that. Typically, uh, we'll go around all the way around the tire and cross it um, for three of the corners. But then the right rear, if I if I were on most nights, if I were to make it into little squares, um, I'll blow the tire apart. Yeah, comes uh, apart so, really fast. Yeah, so that one's only focused on going forward. The other ones can kind of help slow it down sideways, right. so to speak. Right. Nope, that's perfect. And so in the, uh, I ice raced for a long time and we would make like we would, and we're using passenger tires. We're not using super soft compound Hoosiers uh, and our tires are narrow, not wide, like a Hoosier. Um, and we would, we, our tires would literally look like carpet. Like we, our tires, we would cut so like very very fine um hours and hours and hours sitting on those tires and and the whole idea there same kind of thing is that the the track is so chewed up the ice is that those it just it allows it just every one of those little cuts is a new cutting edge and new uh, something else to grab a hold of the track and yep. uh, and it was it was those that working on tires was right people hate it i loved it so <laughs> But yeah, I have some friends. I guess the results. Racing. I have some friends that do ice racing around here, and I was a flagman out there for a couple of years. So something I've uh, dipped my toes in. I never, never driven anything. I had some in had one. Some that, had some buddies that told me they wanted me to race out there. Yes. So like, I'm an asshole. You don't want me to race. No, <laughs> get in. You first like flagman is the worst job on the on a, on, an, on an ice race track, especially just out there freezing your balls off. Like that oh, is yeah, that's cold. Get in the car, man. Like you will love it so much. So yeah, the last year I was out there, um, I rode with Dave Flynn quite a bit because he had an ice racer. Yeah. Um, so we go out there, and I was some good uh, uh, right side percentage for him. Out you're, there. You're, <laughs> you're getting some right side weight in that car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is, it. Believe it or not, it makes a difference in an ice race car. Mm -hmm. Setup is a big deal in ice too. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. And from what I know, it's anything you think on uh, you would do for a dirt car on ice, do the opposite. It's pretty much the opposite. And and then what makes it even worse is the group that I that I raced with, it's all front wheel drive cars. And mm -hmm. so then it really is uh, like whatever you think a dirt car setup is, it is a hundred percent, 180 degrees difference. Sure. So it's uh, I always told people it become like when you downhill ski. And and you want to turn to the left, you you would you put your weight over here, and then it turns you that way. 
that's that's front wheel drive ice racing mm -hmm. is all your weight on the right front and plant that tire and then you can turn off that tire it was it was weird so but more of them speed secrets exactly <laughs> yeah here i am yeah so okay so we do this segment cody in in the show called the your mth rapid fire questions um your mth of course um an ever expanding empire of car dealers um i think four or five different locations throughout minnesota right now um, yourmth.com is their, is their website and encourage everybody, the, the whole family, the whole team of guys and girls that work for, for Minnesota truck headquarters are just massive dirt track fans and supporters. And so, um, I, I always say the sponsorship deals are like this. You don't have to go spend money there, but when you need a new truck or you need a new car and it's going to be a used vehicle, give them a shot at earning your business because they support the sport that you love. And, um, uh, and without those supporters, there's our sport goes away. And so give them, give them a shot at earning your business. So, so this is the yourmth.com rapid fire questions. It's five questions that maybe do, or maybe don't have to do with, with, with racing in general. So um, the question is, um, and I should have wrote down the answer to this. You can say any number. The first question is how many wins did you have in 2022? 2022 was nine. It is. I, as I, as I'm writing, as I'm thinking that it was nine, you're right. Um, question number two, what is the hardest thing in a human body? And it's multiple choice. Um, is it your bones? Is it your teeth or is it your fingernails? Well, I'd have to say teeth. That is right. It's the enamel <laughs> of your teeth. Um, see, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with racing. Um, <laughs> although I would bet like your fans, you know, they're biting your nails. So so you can bite your nail, but you, you know, and it cuts your fingernail. That means your teeth are harder than your nails. Um, yeah, I bite my nails over a quarter inch wheel space or every night. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like agonizing whether you should put it in or take it out kind of thing. Oh yeah. And you can ask my, ask my crew guys or anyone that parks around me. Like it's, um, I'm watching the race before there's 10 laps to go and I'm yelling to get the car back up in the back, take the tires off. I'm changing this, changing that. And then, uh, caution comes out, go back and look at the track again, come back and undo it all. And, uh, one of my pet peeves is sitting and staging and it hasn't been because I get bored over there. It's mainly because that's time to work on the car. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually the last one to roll it onto the track because you know get stuff adjusted and the you're still ranching. There. I'm uh, like I'm I'm a whole five foot six inches tall. I'm trying to jump up into the car when it's still up. When it's on stand, so they're <laughs> well, they're trying to get the car tires back on, get the car back down. So that's, that's my uh, biting nails over a quarter inch wheel spacer story. That, that would be the story. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Question number three of the uh, Your MTH Rapid Fire questions is, what is the largest lake in the United States? Ooh, um, Cody Carlson. Specifically, Cody Carlson. What is the largest <laughs> lake in the United States? Lake Superior. Lake Superior, exactly. I had, I had a second thought because you just said lake, but then there's Salt Lake in Utah. So I'm trying to think of how big that is because you didn't say fresh water or salt, but yeah, superior. Yeah, came yeah. back around and yeah, superior. Yeah, 
Yeah. So pay I, attention to that one in school. For those that watch fire. the show frequently, there's always, I try to figure out, a like, working your number, your hometown, your name. <laughs> I try to figure out a question to make that sense. So um, what is Cody Carlson's favorite color? My favorite color. Ooh. That's a tough question um, because I changed the color of my wrap so much. So green has been lucky for me the last couple of years. Uh, It's been a good color for me before that. So I was a big fan of fluorescent orange. Um, But next year I'm going to go back to some original Carlson racing roots as it's our 50th season as a family. Um, So we're going to, we're going to do some original, original colors and anyone anyone that knows my dad and uncle's cars are gonna know what color they are right out of the gate but nice uh, um like it'll be like a just the same color scheme or like like a whole retro wrap um i don't think i'm gonna do the retro wrap um i might at some point there will probably be some retro pieces to it you know all all the stuff back then was hand painted and yeah um, so it's it's all it's not as clean cut is what graphics are now but like we might try to recreate something for like the roof number use one of their old uh hand painted roof number fonts and try to recreate that uh but other than that the sides i'll probably keep a modern wrap scheme calm nothing too busy but uh still i mean we're we're in the era of me so we'll keep it uh, i think since you have access to to not necessarily unlimited wraps but you have more access to wraps than than a lot of people I think you should do like you should figure out like make the handwriting lettering into a font and do your sponsors like I, that would be so cool Cody to have like See, this a is... hand painted look to the font to the wrap yeah it'd be it'd be badass but here's here's where you're wrong my car's the last one that gets sent there is I'm throwing buzzy under the bus here but uh, <laughs> if I don't have my stuff done before February it ain't getting done until the day before I want to race it yeah, that's uh, there was one time I, I brought my car down there and uh, scaled it down there, wrapped it down there, and that night went racing. <laughs> that's funny, but it's probably like that makes a lot of sense. Is like it's always the the auto mechanic that has the car that doesn't run, and the the contractor that has the house that's not finished. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just how it works. So yep, yep. But, um. Okay. So question number five, and these are question number five is always a little deeper, right? It's a, it's a little more philosophical than the rest of the questions. So question number five is what is the difference between living and existing? Ooh, that's deep, right? That is deep. I would say living is doing stuff that you truly want to do with your life. Existing is just being on autopilot. Uh, going through the same thing that everyone else does, you know, yeah. the, the good old fashioned American dream, uh, graduate from school, go to college, get married, have kids, buy a house, the whole, uh, that's a little bit more along the lines of existing. Oh, whereas, whereas if you start traveling or doing things like that, you know, that's, it's a little bit more of a living, living type, you know, I'd yeah. say yep. nothing yep, wrong would... with either way, but, uh, I mean, well said. Go. Well said. I I would agree with you that it, it, that an existence is kind of, you know, get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work. It's just the same thing over and over and over and over. 
which is a lot of life for for most of us. There's it's pretty repetitive, mm-hmm. and then the parts where you're living is buying a race car and, and strapping into the cockpit of a race car yeah. or going skydiving or going deep mm-hmm. sea fishing or whatever your thing is. Yeah. And you can come in and out of that as often as you want. Like right now, I'm in my existing period. I just go home and go to work and go home yeah. and go to work. That's all I do right now. Yep. And then the summer, going out racing or take a trip somewhere is where we get to do a little bit of the you, living. You do a little bit of living. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. So that is the Your MTH Rapid Fire uh, questions. The last segment of the show is always the Rascal Aluminum Pay It Forward question. And you've you've seen this before where my last guest gets to ask you a question and then you are going to ask my next guest a question. Um, and it's all brought to you by Rascal Aluminum. Rascal Aluminum is, speaking of building bodies, uh, uh, they're, they're, it's a, a, a racer and her dad. And now there's a new husband involved in him, Adam Preve, Abby, Abby Preve and Rob Guerin, uh, own Rascal Aluminum together. Um, they have literally every color, every shape, the dimensions are all big and they have it all available in lots and lots of quantity right now. Um, you can find them on Facebook, Rascal Aluminum, look it up on Facebook, um as everybody's out building their bodies right now give them a shot they will they will they have what you need it's in stock and it's it's better price than most everybody so uh, where are they located um i think two different locations i think there's one sort of north metro um that you know close down by the cities and then the other one is in litchfield but i i know for a fact that they've figured out ways to to you know, meet you in the middle, or if they're going that way, they'll deliver uh, aluminum to you kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, look them up on Facebook, Rascal Aluminum. Um, just like, uh, just like every sponsor, give them a shot at earning your business. And I, I'm very confident you'll be pleased. So, um, so my last guest was another B-Mod driver by the name of Matt Everts. Do you know Matt? Can't say that I do. Okay, so he's he's what he races out of the cities. Like I think he's in Bloomington or some B word down in the the south part of the metro area. Races a lot at Cedar Lake. Every now and then comes up to St. Cloud. Um, What's the number? Uh, it, that's a that's a great question because it changes. It's it's been a, it's I think he's number six right now, but it has been number seven as well. So. Um, uh, so he's, he's B-Mod driver up and coming, been around for a long time. One of the guys that's just consistently consistent, never really parks it on top of the box consistently, but is there, then he's kind of a fifth place guy. He's just, he's like the perfect racer guy. That's just doing it because he absolutely loves dirt track racing. And he's just, he's just a super good guy. So his question for you and you kind of already spilled the beans on this, but we'll expand on it a little bit, is during the race night, do you make adjustments to the car or are you more likely to make adjustments to the driving style to meet the racetrack? And you kind of spilled the beans a little bit that it's the car. Well, not there. There's it's a good balance of both. Okay. Um, I, I've been, I've been saying this to some buddies for years that, uh, about driving style a lot of people um when you're talking with your buddies that also race and 
you know, they'll get to go and like, I don't drive like you. I don't drive like this person. I don't drive like that. I don't think it'll work for me. Um, I think the whole driving style thing is partially a myth. Uh, I think the, the best race car drivers can drive about any style, depending sure. on what the track and the competition's doing around you. I mean, if someone's coming down or floating up or something like that, you got a dime in the corner, uh, float it out do whatever you got to know what your car is capable of doing and right. where you got to drive it and point it uh, if you don't want to lose ground in any of those situations so i mean there's you know, switch between 10 different driving styles through the course of the night um the adjustments to the car is just to get to a good baseline where you think the car is going to be workable based on if it's sticky dry dirty completely cleaned off something like that um and then once you're out on the track the only thing you can adjust is uh the way you drive the car right. some people adjust the brakes i've had my my uh brake bias welded in at all rear for as long as i can remember um another one of them speed secrets but uh there you go um like you have yeah, no front brake no i have it all the way all the way to the rear all the time wow yeah i think front that's pretty rare for people <laughs> um and so that's i i would agree with you um as I think as a top driver, I think a lot of entry level or not haven't found their groove yet, not even necessarily entry level, but guys that haven't found their groove yet are comfortable on the bottom, comfortable on the top. Like if they're forced to go there, they'll try it for two laps and then they'll go to where, where they're most comfortable kind of a thing. Um, and even if that means I'll get third because you're in my line. Well, to your point, if you want to win, you, you, you're not going to run your line the whole race. Cause eventually someone's going to be in your line and you're going to have to need to figure that how, how to be faster than the guy that's in your line. You have to be faster than him in the line that you aren't comfortable in. And, and that's where I, we in our little circle of friends we talk about you know getting big tires like you just got tiny little tires you're not you won't go up by the wall or you won't get close enough to the tires you know you got to get you got to grow your tires a little bit and uh um and that to that's you to the point that you're making i think is if you if you got to run outside you have to run outside or if if everyone's running the outside and you want to pass someone you have to run through the middle or come enter low and drift high or you know enter high and cut low or whatever it is you have to try something to get by mm -hmm. the guy in front of you yeah there's there's a good example i have there's a night in proctor i got taken out in the heat race um and i was scheduled to start 18th in the future which there was only i think one or two cars left behind me and uh my whole purpose of the whole thing i was crabby car got beat up a little bit uh, lost a tire and wheel that cost money it costs more than what it is to win up there win, so, yeah um like what's the point i'm just gonna take a lap pull off and kill my point average because that's awesome point system we got and uh i went and stuck my foot in my mouth because i went from 18th to first so it didn't matter what the point invert was but that night uh i every single line on that racetrack i had to i had to use and ultimately the cautions were you know, the biggest thing that helped me, but I'm right, you know, yeah. the, the first, the first couple, uh, couple laps, you know, Moses parted the seas for me. I was able to go through the middle caution, come out and then run the bottom and then run the top and able to pick them off one by one. And with just a couple laps to go, I'm racing with a couple of my buddies and, uh, you know, 
my name, my number's coming up the, uh, number board going yep. into turn one and, um, trying that's, that's when I really started trying pretty hard. Cause I was just kind of not really relaxed, but like, I didn't think I was going to go anywhere, but keep passing cars. You can't pull off. I right. couldn't yeah. follow through with that plan. I had to see where it was going. And, and I was trying so hard. I knocked the rear decking out of the car and off the, the, the one stretch, there's one stretch of wall on the front stretch at Proctor. And, uh, I managed to use that for some side lights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, okay. So you, that's your question. Now you get to ask my next guest a question. And my next guest is a guy by the name of Joseph Thomas. Do you know him? Yeah. Number six. Number six. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think he's number six. And so if you go on his Facebook, go back a year or two and he's number seven. And so, uh, so that's part of the story. Yeah, might be right. yeah we're, we're one of them multi-number ones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in his six ST, there's a little seven about this big down in the corner of the six. And so we're going to find out what that's all about during the show as well. And so what would your question? And so his, his big claim to fame right now is that he was at, he was at the dome race in St. Louis mm-hmm. and, and was very fast um was going to win his heat race uh and qualify immediately to the top of the heap in his qualifying main and he would have absolutely made the a main and been up front somewhere uh and then just a little just a little tap and around he went and they have no fault uh Mm -hmm. if you stop on the track you're going to the back no matter what Uh, so was that the deal with mike harrison it might have been yes yeah yeah uh and so um, so what, what would your question for, for Mr. Thomas be? Oh, where do you see yourself in the sport in 10 years, 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I love that question. That's it. So a hundred and whatever you are 115 shows or something like no one's asked a question like that. I, I kind of, perfect. <laughs> I, I kind of dig that question is like, what is, what do you see yourself in the future as far as racing is concerned? Are you, I'm just, I'm just glad that that wasn't the question that I got asked because I threaten retirement almost every year by the time the end of the year rolls around. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's pretty normal. I think there's uh I think that's a real normal thing because you're frustrated, you're sick and tired of straightening tin and buying parts that you can't afford. And, and you're like this, why do I do this? It's so stupid. And then, and then you, it's about two weeks in the off season. You're like, man, I got to get going on the car. Like I got to get some stuff to do here. And so I posted it. I posted my car for sale for about two weeks and, didn't really spark a whole lot of interest, so I took it down. Decided to keep it, and Might as well if no one wants to buy it. They can keep getting beat by it. And, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Mic drop. I yeah. love that. Yeah, so. there we go. I gotta gotta poke a little fun with the local competition. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, Cody, I appreciate you uh, responding to my when I reached out for you to be on the show. Um, like I said, you were you were a, a very requested uh, guest to be on the show. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be on the show. And uh, I look forward to to getting up north and seeing you. Yeah, and I'm going to try to make it over your way next year, too. I don't plan to do a whole lot of track points racing next year. 
um, just kind of float around, maybe do that XR series. Yeah. Um, so I haven't made it over to St. Cloud yet. So that's, uh, that's a track I want to try out. And I mean, I have a hard time driving by Proctor. I won, I think five nights there this year. So kind of hard to drive by that place, but been uh, there and done that then you can go go conquer someplace else. (laughs) Yeah. There's some fast fast cars over there that, uh, need to rub some fenderless fenders with there, so. there is uh rub some <laughs> fenderless fenders with that's that should be a shirt fenderless fenders um uh yeah there's there's a lot of fast people that that make their way to the granite city motor park and and uh a lot of a lot of national championships come out of that track and mm-hmm. yeah, we're pretty proud of that so yeah for sure awesome so well, I, if, if I don't make it up there and if you don't make it down there, then I promise you we'll, we'll meet up again somewhere. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, everyone, that is Cody Carlson on After the Checkers. Thanks so much. Thank you.